Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, Talk Cosmos on April 6, 2019, repeated Thursday at 6 a.m. Sunrise, Sunset, for the same talk that we're doing tonight, today, and it's on Chiron, the wisdom and wounds of the orphaned soul, deep, 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 deep. In fact, Chiron, well, not Chiron, but the Southern Cross, which is will be discussed and related is just in front of the centaur centaurus stellium not stellium <laughs> constellation thank you and the hind foot which is so amazing because chiron the centaur half man half horse has his wounded leg and so even with the mystical connections of many forces and i mean this by the fact that who names the stars not necessarily intuitive shaman people but they are and it, it again speaks of this marvelous way that universe connects in various ways and our path is to really try to our best wholeness to understand, to, to visualize, to witness, to absorb, to reintegrate all of these messages. And a lot of this will go on today. You know, we are talking in the archetype of Aries, which is experience. It left the womb of Pisces, ventured forth on its pathway of choosing, receiving, as we, and the new unknown of its venture and its experience. And the reason I bring that up is because Chiron has a lot to do about, and in Aries about our experiences, connecting with that subject, the wisdom and wounds of the orphan soul. The only other thing I want to add before I bring on a most important guest that I'm really delighted to have join me again this year. It's a real treat and he's a busy person in many places, but has found time to connect uh, is the fact that the Southern cross in the, that now rests visually from the below the equator was at one time during the age of Aries, which started about 2300 BC to I think 108 uh, BC. The constellation, uh, the Southern Cross was visible, but it sank below, from our viewpoint, below the equator where it rests now. And if you're in Hawaii, you can see it. Oh, I, which I did up on Mauna Kea. I was just thrilled to see this legendary four stars Southern Cross in conjunction to Polaris, the North Star. And the importance that I'm bringing this up is of the polarity that the polarities that come to light because they're in the shadows and like wounds, they 
they we may be nurtured by them and we may be suffered from them but through that light illuminates and we're guided and now that it's in the south under the the the, the equator you know it it leads sailors to destinations just as the north pole its polar opposite leads people and the and the polar opposite happens to be the small bear and interestingly i found in my home here i was rearranging things thankfully making different spaces and i have something i inher inherited this wonderful bear that was carved i think by alaskan people and uh and also a uh, an archer that there, it's a mythological archer and it's pointing its arrow and it just happens to be going to a to, to a picture on the wall that I have of the galactic center and it just happens to be in my house where the bear is pointing to the north star I thought voila here we go okay so I hope some of that made sense and I'm going to uh, introduce our guest because he will certainly make a lot of sense and it'll be a joy talking and this is Gemini Brett Gemini Brett moved from Seattle last year to the Bay Area, San Francisco. And Gemini Brett's a shamanic storyteller, and he seeks the signs of the messenger's mind. And he's known in cosmetic circles as the astronomy of astrology expert. I can vouch for this. Mystic mythologist and his principal intention to retrieve the star songs heard in times before the written word, and these mysteries and sacred sites and the living sky, this is his great legendary purpose. It really is a genius, on the, really, truly genius. And it's through a system, an embodied exercise that he calls Earth Astrology. You know, it's a center, anyway, he can describe, but that's where we're at. We're on Earth, Gaia. And the sacred sciences, geometry, musical harmony, astronomy, numbers, Brett does consultations, mentorship, instructs. He's a conference speaker nationally, internationally. And there's a couple here that he's going to be participating in, especially this year. And, and on a routine basis, he is with um, Organization of Professional Astrology, OPA, doing Sacred Astronomy Astrologers course for certification. And he's one of the agents with Cosmic Intelligence Agency. But these conferences, 2019, two of them, Great Lakes Astrology Conference and Hellenic Astrological Symposium in Athens. So anybody that wants to do your travel, go to More Than Astrology, which is the website, and check it out. And 2020, January, I think, February, rather, India International Astrology Conference. So with this great acclaim... I'll say hello, Gemini Brett. Hi, Sue. How in the heavens are you? Well, that's a good factor. <laughs> all in all, things are coagulating in the brain uh, from various experiences, you might say. I, I don't think I just had a hand injury. I was rollerblading and somebody, very Iranian, stepped right in front of me. Later, I thought, okay, Mars return, Uranus time to really connect with the universe so i'm eager to start thinking about how our chiron experience for the next seven years in aries with all these new experiences of i and other people how are we going to bridge this this huge focus of 
oh, there were things I didn't discuss, but like, where are we leading? What spirals are we traveling? Well, I love how you go to, you injured your <laughs> wrist and what does it mean? Right? Yeah. In some ways, this is really what the tale of Chiron teaches us. And um, I mean, Chiron's such an interesting being astrologically. I mean, he, most astrologers use Chiron now, right? Yes. And I mean, he was discovered shortly after I was. I was mm. born in 1975 and Chiron was discovered November 1st, 1977 as an astronomical body. Oh. Um, you know, it's said that Dane Rudyard had predicted that something out there would have a 50 year orbit because he was seeing this 50 year periodicity mm. in clients and their psychic changes and whatnot. Um, and so that's just the interesting thing. I've never seen Rudyard's writing about that or where that comes from. I just received that. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool, right? Um, because Chiron does seem to really participate with us astrologically. And um, some astrologers are working with these other bodies that are called centaurs. Um, and there's many of them, right? There's Pholos, and I, I know, and Charico, Chariklo, who was yep. Chiron's honey, um, Asbolas, Nessus. And I got to say, I, I have not really started working with them yet, but I started with Chiron at the beginning because my first teacher, who's Daniel Chamario at the Shamanic Astrology Mystery School, does. And yes. um, when we start following these bodies, we start noticing that they are definitely playing along. Chiron seems to be a very significant note in the celestial symphonies, significant instrument. And of course, as it is when any planet crosses this zero Aries point where, you know, the zodiac begins and the ending of the beginning of the ending, <laughs> and of course, because is there a beginning of a circle? Every point on the circumference of the circle is its beginning, you know, but there's a good reason why we start astrology at zero degrees tropical Aries. It tunes us into the very real astronomy of the tropical zodiac. It's not a constellational function. Zero Aries or the tropical sign of Aries is not aligned to the constellation of the ram. No. Uh, it aligns now to the constellation of the fish. This is one of the indications that we are in the, the ending of the age of, of Pisces. Um, but what is that point? And, and the truth is, I'll get nerdy for a second. It is the intersection. Is It is the cross of two very significant planes. One is the ecliptic plane, which is the year plane. It is the plane of Earth's orbit about the sun or as seen from Earth. And that is our experience, the sun moving about the Earth through the constellation, the signs of the zodiac. So that's the ecliptic. And the other plane is the celestial equator, which is the plane of Earth's spin, right? So yes. Earth's equator projected out into space. And, you know, so the spin is day and the orbit is year. And where the day and the year intersect, these two points of the sky are called the equinox points. And this zero degrees tropical Aries point, this, the Aries equinox point, is in every moment, right? And in every moment, it is due east of the center of Earth. And in this truth, therefore, it acts like the ascendant for all of us. Oh, yes. Very Do you see well what I mean? No, I, I, definitely. It's a, it's a direction. And... 
that whole aspect of looking at astrology as direction, something that unifies north, south, all of us, very has great validity. I like it. Yes. Right. So when the sun finds its way to zero Aries, of course, we call this March equinox. I mean, many of us call it spring equinox, but of course, it's it's autumnal equinox for half the world. But exactly. what is true for us all <laughs> is that at that time, the sun has found the east point. And this direction, I mean, the cardinal directions um, are aligned to by these cusps of the cardinal signs, which shouldn't be a surprise, right, from, from the wording there. And zero Aries is due east. And that energy of the east is the rise. I mean, we can really tune into this simply by watching the miracle of a sunrise, which we can do every day, you know, moonrise. Every time there, it's a beautiful new beginning. And especially when it's the sun, and the light starts dawning just before it breaks and the birds sing a pretty song mm. and there's hope in the air and all of this, you know. But the thing that I, I love to remind us is the, the eastern sky is rising because Earth is falling in that direction, right? Mm. If the sky rises and sets because the Earth spins, yeah? So just as we descend here into matter, to lift spirit up, the heavens are ascending in the east at the ascendant because the earth is descending in that direction. And this really is kind of the astronomy of that point or for a particular chart for a person, you know, of their own ascendant um, that I think speaks so much about our mission here on earth as a soul embodied in matter what are we here to do but grow and to help the one thing grow i'm very fond of saying unity is a wonderful goal and it's also incredibly boring because everything is nothing because it can't even be aware of itself and it's said in the mysteries as soon as the one thing considers itself a soul is born and matter seems almost like a necessary implication for this soul which is a entire reflection of the all to come here in a place where growth is available because growth implies motion which implies time and this seems really to only happen in matter nature mother you see and so we come into these bodies and i think very importantly these monkey suits they each have a heart you know and mm -hmm. earth can be so hard and we can fall and break wrists and you know break hearts and all of these incredible uh, initiations here in the earth game and you know we can choose to authentically feel and as far as i'm concerned that's that's what we're here to do and, it, and it's optional you know because a lot of us will only think about what we're feeling we'll have emotions but we won't have that raw feeling that raw release and when we do if we do if we choose to dance to the song of our soul and truly feel, then feeling opens the gateway to healing, which announces the beginning of knowing. And it is our individual knowing that offers this great growing. And that gift of growth is the gift that we give back. I like one thing. Yeah, I like especially, Brett, the idea of the East because of the light. You know, if we're growing, the factors are pretty basic. You know, it's where the oneness happens. It's like, okay, we need light at some point. At least, well, okay, there's going to be creatures that live in the dark. But there, but light is still important. And, yeah, 
all of a sudden my brain, I shouldn't have gotten myself Well, let's talk about there. light and dark, right? Mm -hmm. Because that Eastern side, that ascendant, right? That part of our cross, right? Those of us who know the astrology chart, we each have this cross of matter. And so we'll get back to the Southern cross in a second. Um, but that side of our cross, the ascendant moving from the center of the chart, which is the center of the earth to the Eastern horizon, it is separating dark and light. Right? It's, it's separating yeah. what we can see and what we can't see. And in a sense, and you can hear it in so many different stories, right? Like uh, in the Bible, for example, the, the sons of God mating with the daughters of man. or what, We hear this often and, and often more poetically, I think, expressed. But this idea that, you know, and I think Chiron or the centaurs show this, that we are these kind of thinking beings and then we are these embodied beings so these two sides of of mind which are yes and senses it really speaks right of the of the outer expression the inner expression so much of that is is seen in the way that the ground separates uh the visible from the invisible yeah like this spin the, uh, this draws again back to earlier what you said about the descent and the ascent between you know falling into matter and coming up with spirit just another dimension of of integrating what in some ways is taught to us through so many ways in chiron today i mean the emphasis of aries that chiron is in aries it is tremendous it is a real start of of embodying this experience into our very self not just on a abstract way but visceral a real integrated um, choice because we have free will like you said you know it's really valuable to realize yeah. I love to say that, right? That there's fate. We each have a chart. We each have a song, but free will is how we choose to dance to it. Yep. And, <laughs> Tango. <laughs> you know, I love what you had to say about um, the Southern Cross and invoking this beautiful constellation, Cantaris. You know, most astrologers today speak about Chiron and they'll just flash the images of the Sagittarius constellation, which in modern times we draw as a centaur, but before then it was just an archer without a horse parts. Although, you know, way back in the day, actually, in Babylon, Sumeria, we did mm -hmm. see a centaur shown there. A centaur with a scorpion tail really seems to be guarding this, this golden gate of galactic center, which I love that you also invoked in the introduction yeah. there. But Cantaris, and I was just down in, um, in Mexico in January with a great crew of astrologers. And um, Opa. We, were, we were seeing so many beautiful... Um, planets in the morning right so there was this venus jupiter there's a moon venus jupiter for a day there and saturn and so we were waking up early and going out and we're pretty dark skies there but we were just as you talked about being in, in um, hawaii we were basically at the same latitude in merida kind of in this like just sub 20 degrees north latitude and looking south you could see the southern cross right crooks like right in the south kind of guiding us in that direction and this is an amazing thing like as you move away from the north pole and towards the equator the northern star begins to drop in the sky like as you mentioned i just moved from seattle to the bay area i just moved from 48 degrees north latitude to 38 degrees north latitude and actually san francisco bay area is the same latitudes as greece right so i'm connecting the sky here 
that scene in Athens at this time. Interesting. Um, but as I as I moved, you know, I can look at the sky in the north and Polaris North Star, who the bear points to, as you mentioned, right? Polaris in Seattle is about 48 degrees above the horizon, about, you know, more than halfway to the top of the sky, the zenith. And then here in the Bay Area, about 38 degrees above the horizon. So as the northern sky goes down, you know, and I'm driving in my car south or whatever, the southern sky starts rising. And if we get down far enough, then we will see crooks and a lot of other um, southern hemisphere stars start to rise. And as you mentioned, we don't want to get too technical here, but this changes through time. This is a great year, the platonic year, the great cycle that takes us through the 12 astrological ages. The great year is said to be about 26,000 years long. And it was right around, um, well, you know, the birth of Christ as we measured in the calendar, right? Um, I like to say BC should be called BP for before Pisces because that <laughs> year when in our current calendar, you know, one BC become became one AD, that was the year that this east point, this zero Aries equinox point, precessed backwards from the Ram constellation to the Fish constellation, beginning the age of Pisces. And we hear, you know, many myths about this, but one of them certainly is this idea that that the the Lamb of God was born, the Good Shepherd, right, Jesus, who became the Fisher of Men. And this is one of the many images of this transition from the age of of Aries to the age of Pisces. And amazingly, right at the same time, right at like, you know, 1 AD, that's when the Southern Cross was descending in the um, latitudes of Athens, Greece. Yes. And it, that's when it came and it touched the ground. So mm. it was still visible, but only if you had like the perfect horizon view, which is so rare because of trees and mountains and things, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's right when it began to disappear from view. So some say that Chiron was initially positioned in the heavens by Zeus, and we'll say why, um, as this great constellation Centaurus. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting constellation in of itself. It's it's hunting the wolf of the heavens. It's It, it, it contains um, Alpha Centauri, right, which is the star that is closest to our own. Um, and then the Southern Cross. Um, but some say that when Cantaris disappeared from the Greek view, Chiron's energy, in a sense, was repositioned to Sagittarius in the sky. So there was still a temple. You know what I find? Go and pray to this great healer. As a thought, just to integrate, you know, as I've been thinking about this, our talk this week, and and that is, is that since it descended to this, uh, below the equator at that time that really when we talk about wounds okay the fact is is that it's useful down there i'm not sure how people found their directions with the sailors but right now it is used for navigating the seas and you know most of the below the equator is ocean and people could navigate to what land there was and in a sense thinking this represents such our own journey that in order to really find our our sources of power and our wounds and transmute our pains to something useful because again chiron as we'll explain isn't really something curable but it's usable and it, it 
um, and, and but going the same representational pathway of of going under what's visible to the majority, which is above, I might say, you know, for many historical years and and maybe even now, I don't know if there's more people living above or below. 80% people live in the Northern Hemisphere. Okay, thank you. And yeah, so in other words, but there's such value down there. I mean, there's not just there, but in that whole process of, of, of finding our, our, our way, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's a wild thing. It's a kind of a, a, a digression, I guess, but it's, it's wild that 80% of the human population lives north of the equator. But if you look at the globe, like there's a whole lot more landmass. Yes, there is. It's amazing to consider that below the equator, there's so much ocean. Right. I've, I've given that thought. Yes. Yeah, I mean, oh, right. it kind of brings us back to this idea of the above and the below, you know, like the tangible and the visible and then down, you know, that watery side of ourselves, you know. So we, we do see Chiron here crossing from the waters of Pisces. And this 12th sign, which is such a beautiful devotion to compassion and to merging, you know, the, the re-connection with the one, with the That's... unity. And then Aries, which in a sense is a response to Chiron, <laughs> I mean, sorry, to um, Pisces, is now individuating, right? So there's the one, which I like to symbolize as a circle, and there's one, the which I like to symbolize as a particular radius of that circle. And there's infinite amount of radii. Like we are each those. And you actually only need one radius to create a circle, right? So it's uh, a, a little bit more 12th in Pisces perhaps than necessary. But there's this idea that, yeah, we are self and then we are spirit, right? And I think that um, that cross of the world, that uh, medicine wheel and this arm that reaches to the east in a sense is this place of rebirthing and coming out of unity conscious so that we can individuate because again and this is one of the reasons why we say it's necessary for us to forget where we came from for us to drink from the pool of lethe right because if you knew what you truly were you would you would just never just sue which is amazing because if you fully sue, that's how you will give this gift of your growth back to the growth of the one thing. Um, and so I think Aries, it's so it's important. I, I, I'm going to see how I want to get here. You know, I want I want to get here actually by honoring the idea of the cross and that just coming across this. Brett, cross Gemini, let's we'll come right back to this. I was okay. hoping for a lead in because we have just a brief announcement and then I'm. Will be all open. This is with Gemini, Pratt, and uh, Aries, Chiron, or Wisdom and Wounds. We'll be returning. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We're currently in the period of Aries. By leaving a cycle based upon completion, the energy of Aries sparks initiation, creating action to separate into a new cycle of life. It's a fire sign, which means it will involve great emotion. And because separation may create resistance, it also takes great courage to break away to new ways of becoming. 
Celebrate your star energy blessings. Schedule a natal astrology chart consultation with Talk Cosmos host, Sue Rose Minahan. You'll learn to better understand what personally fuels your soul's seed direction. Sue focuses on your questions to connect you into your unique heart's desire and your true soul path's birth essence, including a recording and a copy of your chart. Schedule by emailing info at talkcosmos.com. That's info at talkcosmos.com. Ciao and greetings to all you folks out there that have got enough curiosity to tune in to what's going on here. My name is Jeff Peters. I am the Lively Astrologer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our consciousness. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back. Talk Cosmos on April 6th being repeated for a repeat show on the 11th, Thursday at 6 in the morning. And Gemini Brett is here talking with me about Chiron in Aries, the wisdom and wounds of the orphan soul. And Brett is going to tell us about the mythological journey. So lead on. I'm grateful. Thank you, Brett. Right on. So yeah, we were speaking about Chiron and the cross. And this cross, that's part of the Cantaris constellation. Um, but Chiron now being at this cross, this east point, this zero Aries point, where the planes of day and year intersect. And um, I mean, this cross that, of course, we typically associate with that point um, is the cross of Christ, right? You know, I mean, Easter happens on the Sunday after full moon, after the sun reaches that zero Aries point. And um, I think there's a, a pretty interesting correlation between these mysteries, and it's the story that most folks tell about Chiron to really invoke this idea of the wisdom of the wounds. Um, and it is that Chiron who, speaking of Aries, was a great teacher to many of the semi-divine heroes of the myths, including Hercules and Jason and Theseus and Achilles, right? But Chiron also taught healing. Um, and I always love to remind people, you know, if you're speaking about this arrow that I'll get into and, you know, the wound, well, in the warrior training, let's also invoke the time that Chiron first taught Asclepius to harvest mugwort or the time that Chiron taught Orpheus to play a chord because that was another one of these amazing beings that Chiron raised in his cave that was known as the Chironian, where he taught all things. But he certainly did teach the martial arts, and um, this led in some senses to his end, or of course that end is just a new beginning. But it's told in many ways, but the version that I love is this, that... Um, Orpheus, having returned successful with Jason and the Argonauts in the quest for the Golden Fleece, fell in love with Eurydice. And they had this beautiful wedding. And um, Chiron told Hercules to break out this nectar of the gods that he had his student guarding. And 
this was a beautiful celebration, but also in a sense a big mistake because this nectar wafted through the airs and reached the nostrils of these many other centaurs who, unlike Chiron, were not so civilized. They were known to be rather hedonistic drunks, really. And they came and they caused great ruckus and everyone tolerated this until one committed the ultimate wedding crime. He, it said, snatched the bride and galloped away with her. Um, only as far as he could reach before one of the great arrows from Hercules's bow reached that centaur's heart and he dropped the bride and then he dropped dead. And this great battle ensued between centaur and man and Chiron didn't get involved. I mean, first of all, he's a centaur and his students are these humans for the most part, but also he was too wise for that nonsense, but he did get involved um, serendipitously or synchronistically when an arrow of the battle again it is said shot from the bow of his student Hercules missed its mark and nearly caught Chiron in the throat but fortunately he caught this arrow before it did quite fortunately because it was tipped with the deadliest poison known the the blood of the Hydra a poison that Chiron himself had instructed his student Hercules to fashion from the blood of this monster that he defeated in one of his great 12 labors. And so Chiron's holding this arrow and then the strangest thing happens is that he drops it and it um, pierces his shin, it is said. And the deadliest poison mingles with the blood of this great centaur mentor, but he can't die. You see Chiron was half immortal. He was a son of Saturn, but he was half mortal, son of Philyra. And he couldn't die, but he could feel this pain, excruciating pain. And it really led to this incurable agony, right? So he has these great healer students. I mean, Asclepius at this point had been known to raise the dead and he could not assist Chiron and Chiron could not assist himself. I like to think that this is when Chiron started creating all of these incredible <laughs> healing modalities like acupuncture and homeopathy or, you know, but none of it's working. Um, but he also began to develop something more. He developed for the first time from an immortal's heart, um, empathy, <laughs> because he could feel this great pain. And this empathy grew and grew. He now knew the pain of the broken heart, the pain of the mother who loses a child on the battlefield, the, the pain of the human condition. And it grew and grew and grew until he felt the pain of he who it said was most tortured. Um, and this was Prometheus. Prometheus who was the creator of humankind and Prometheus who was chained to a lonely crag of the Caucasus where a liver pecking vulture would visit every day to peck out his liver just so it could be renewed at night and this amazing torture simply because he wouldn't apologize for stealing fire from the gods to give to his creation us and one of the conditions for prometheus's release was not only this apologize and there was another piece but one was that um, an immortal must choose to take his place we might think that Zeus created this code because he knew that no immortal would ever bite, but this is the day that that happened or Chiron, seeing that there was no point in the two of them suffering for eternity, said to his half-brother Zeus, another son of Saturn, I will take his place. I will take the place of Prometheus. And that 
never was. Prometheus was released, but Zeus honored this amazing gift of empathy. Um, and rather than forcing Chiron to take his place in that lonely crag and the liver pecking red eagle or vulture, Chiron was positioned instead in the heavens with that great Southern Cross at the foot of Cantaris. And that Southern Cross is a device as we use in the Northern Hemisphere skies. We work with Cassiopeia or, or more typically with the great bear Ursa Major and its asterism, the great wagon or the Big Dipper to point to North Star. The Southern Cross, along with some other stars, can point us to South right and can help us get directions but this amazing story you know it's one that we often tell and in some ways it invokes this idea of christ on the cross and dying for other sins but to me the the real story of chiron where we open into um i think more of a direct experience or maybe less direct but more mystical experience of what this great centaur did and how he lives in each of us is where we find out where his original wound was. And this also is why he had the body of a horse. Um, he was the son of Saturn, as I said, but a son also of deception for Saturn to escape detection by his wife, um, Ops or Kronos and Rhea are way, ways that we usually hear their names spoken. He turned himself into a horse just as he planted the seed in this mortal being, Philyra. And that seed then sprouted as the first centaur, half human, half horse, Chiron. And Saturn wasn't going to stick around in the first place, but Philyra also pushed the child aside. She could not deal with the monstrosity of this human horse being. And so Chiron was orphaned. And he was raised by Apollo, by Helios, and learned the ways of the sage and of truth and of divination and of these many things. And he had a very beautiful soft spot for the orphans of the world, of which there were so many, because this idea of immortals mating with mortals was endless. And it usually happened in some kind of deception and with Hercules and Achilles and all these beings, they had to be hidden away before they would be slayed because some prophecy was spoken or whatever. And Chiron was the one who took them in and taught them and raised them. And so just to bring this to what we were speaking about in the first half of this idea that we are not allowed to remember that we are the all, that we are spirit because if we did we would never sue or brett or whoever it is that's tuning in whenever wherever you are and that's something that we can't forget that we are here to individuate we are here to play in the role that uh, we wear as well as connecting to the unity right but there's this great wound i think that we feel and i think many of us feel it most when we realize that we've always held it but had no awareness that we have this disconnection or this apparent disconnection from the one true light and then as soon as we remember that the course is about getting back there right but we don't do that or we don't return to unity consciousness you know by going to some new cage doctrines that suggest there is no time and none of us matter you know it's really, I think, mat matter very much matters. That's how I feel about it personally. And that's how this cusp 
that separates Pisces from Aries or in all of our charts, the 12th house from the first house. It really wants us to individuate, to be born. And we were saying earlier about how the matter descends in the east, the earth falls towards the east so the heavens can rise. And we're here, right, to descend into matter to help spirit grow. But that great pain of the orphan soul, right, which can fall prey to thinking that you know, as some conspiracy theorists say, Earth is a prison planet or, or whatever it may be. I think we really, as we open to the mysteries, come into this. And one thing I have seen with um, every mystic is first, it's to find the path that heaven is a place on Earth and that this place is beautiful. And as hard as it can be, these great stimulations of the wounds and the pain of the orphan soul are here to help the whole thing grow but also the beauty of individuation, right? So I better stop here, Sue, and check in with you. And no, it's beautiful. Uh, Brett, you've, you've pulled it together. I'll, I'll comment, I think, on a couple of things. And one of them is, is um, if I can read my notes here. Um, the, okay, empathy. It keeps going back to empathy because when I think of the abandonment, the fact that we, from from whether it was the world is no longer just one cosmic egg, it has fragmentation of gases and all the elements, the star does, however we want to look upon it, and our self time and, and space, right? That's what we're in here for. And we're also, but, and the free will, but the fact that, that this um, disconnect has it, it's okay it has to do with that choice of pain or to pain or not to pain i mean <laughs> you know because we it is part and parcel whether we fall and break our hand or with again i can't and can't drive or whether it's because maybe and, and that's another factor for the audience your chiron every seven years goes into another sign mine happens to be in sag in my third house and for the longest years i pained because i wanted to go to higher learning and one choice after another just seemed to thwart it but who was ruling it yeah hello i am and when i finally realized that just some years back and went into astrology and then now i'm really working to this certification and having this program that's also helping me understand astrology more that was one of my main main goals for it to really like center on it like it's not getting away i'll figure this out so but but our wounds are something that okay prometheus that's what i was thinking and i'll throw it back to you is that if if prometheus gave us fire which is spirit to live hmm. that clay that we were born with from then the gods the spirit the masters of that area of our unity are saying hey it's not a silver spoon you know it takes a little choices are you going to be attached to this pain or are you going to let go are you going to burnish it you know how are you going to what are you going to do yeah absolutely i mean it said prometheus fashioned us out of clay which i would say means we are ever moldable and in the image of the guides and guidances themselves and then gave us fire right which is this great tool so that we can create and um you know your injury for for example or any of our wounds like what are we going to create from them and this is the great teaching of chiron right so the chiron is not just 
the wounds of your place. I mean, you could say Chiron in the third house and you have, you're going to have difficulty communicating or at least be <laughs> tripping about that or Chiron and Sagittarius. You're not going to be able to um, get into the higher learning and right. But no, this is, I mean, here you are hosting a radio show, right? And certainly deep into the higher learning. And we can hear this every time you speak. And so, but, but it takes, it's a challenge to get there, right? And yeah. so speaking of Prometheus, you know, many astrologers, maybe Rictarnus was the first, I'm not sure, but we, and we, and you and I spoke about this last time we spoke last year, um, Prometheus is often associated with the planet Uranus. And so I love this because we say that Chiron took Prometheus's place. Well, what just happened to the Zodiac? Uranus has been in Aries since 2010, 2011. And has recently become Taurus, like fully committed to Taurus now. And just as that happens, Chiron comes into Aries to take Uranus's place. Yes. And um, I think when Chiron was in Pisces, um, the last seven years or so, you know, it was really about this wounds and finding the wisdom out of the wounds of the collective, right? And this depth of our feelings, we all share one heart. That's one of the great teachings of the Pisces Mystery School. Mm. But we come now with Chiron over the cross into the sign of Aries. And it is about really the wounds of self. Who am I? What am I here to do? And, you know, I'd love to clean this up about Aries because too many of the astrologers, especially the newspaper ones, teach that Aries is the selfish sign. Um, I really see that its purpose is selfness, that yes. Aries as the polarity to Libra, right? We know these 12 signs are six poles and that axis, Libra, Aries, put it together. It spells libraries. And I like to say this is the book. Mm, I love it. And we say yeah. this with Libra, well, Libra is othership, but we don't have right relationship without balancing othership with selfness. And Which this is the goal of the Aries mysteries, right? Yeah, which gets back to that last comment that might be on from one perspective is for what purpose? If a person is purely observing, it's a round ball, it's sitting on the earth, it's blue, well, or it's hanging in space, but for what function, for what purpose, for what usage, you know? It, it's like, yes, Aries, just like last week with Dana, um, Bernbach, we were talking about the Kabbalah letters, and it was so interesting for Hay, and just briefly speaking, because it's in the feminine column, she was bringing, we, we decided, we realized it's that unity of, of, of direction reception, and it made me realize, and that goes back to this whole Aries right now of our wounds, that they're not that separate. One thing, you know, we've, we, in order to observe it, we may have isolated it, and, and, and cracked it with a hammer but but truly it's 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 a flow it's like a vibration like a like a wave you know it just kind of oscillates and so we need to remember that you know it's uh th there's a lot of reception and and so aries no it's not selfish it's just going in its direction rather than the collective that's all well and i would say it's doing that for the collective i mean for me mm. all of the cardinal signs are about others and i think this is true for aries it's easier to see with cancer with the nurturing mother with libra the relationship expert with capricorn the wise elder but what about aries this thing that we say is warrior or scout or pioneer well that's all for the tribe if it's done in its light 
And we're taught this idea of independence is insulation, you know? And, you know, I got to say, this is true for every mystic I've ever known. There is a time of isolationism. There's a time of feeling like I don't belong here anymore. I'm going through this weird awakening. I like to call it the awirdening, you know, <laughs> and you feel that time of like, wow, who can I connect with? I mean, who also likes astrology, for example, right? And then we find our crew. But our culture teaches independence through isolation. I mean, if you ask your neighbors for butter, you're unprepared, you're weak, right? and that's false. Real, the true independence is insulation. And so it is knowing who we are. And so this time with Chiron moving through Aries, we're going to open into some of the wounds of who am I, right? So it's amazing that one of the key words these days is like identity politics. You know, are you red or are you blue? It's like, no, I'm Brett, actually, right? Um, and so how do I find me in this midst where we're wanting to be grouped only in group think? or some collective. And I think that's the, the huge shift here. And I know we're running out of time, but I'll just- No, I love how you've first. just put this exactly. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll fudge and we'll make it. No, we, well, let me just say got... this, how we can work with this astrologically, right? So for one thing, just look at the house of your own nativity where Aries lives. I'm Gemini rising. That places Aries as the 11th. I'm 43 years old and I have Chiron in the sign of Aries. So I will have my- Chiron return in about seven years, they go down at about 50 years old. Um, and the 11th is a place of communities. You know, do I have wounds about feeling like um, I can't connect to the community? I have a hard time finding friends or don't know how to fit in and be myself in a group. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That, that happens. You know, it's not only that. Another thing to do is, is look at like where Chiron is in your chart. So so you, you offered, you know, this example of you have Chiron in Sagittarius and in the third house, right? Well, Aries is the fifth sign from Sagittarius, right? So, I mean, I can just look at where Aries is in your nativity. And if Sag is on the third, right, I can assume that it's probably Aries is your seventh. Son. Yeah, right. So we're going to talk about relationship stuff, but another way to look at this um, is not only Chiron in your seventh house, but also Chiron being in the fifth house from the third, because oh. the third is where Chiron lives in your chart. Yeah, trying. Right? And so now in, in Aries, he's in the fifth, which is the house of passions, of creations, right? So that seventh, one of the ways that it operates for the third is that here you are in the third developing expression, which really on the deepest level is us learning how to share and speak the needs of our soul so that we can feel fed and be strong to move through this strange world. But the seventh functions in the third because when we learn how to communicate, well, we're speaking to other people. And when we do that through creativity and passionate creations, which is a fifth house theme, and we bring that to the seventh, then it's allowing our third and that sense of poetry and, and beauty and spreading the word to really be something that comes above the horizon into the light. And so we come full circle. And I end by bowing to you, Sue, for choosing to follow your quest here and to talk cosmos with weird folks like me and these other astrological beings who are really trying to get after these starry songs to, to make moves in this place called well, Brett, you're, is a thought. 
First, for other folks, Brett's, Gemini Brett's talking derivative houses. That's why it is. So just keep that. Some of you know it. The other thing is, I love how you bring back the fact of the collective. Once again, this brings that polarity point right home again, which uh, the duality. I mean, here I am a Gemini. You've got Gemini rising and you know, we know all it's and, and you're Gemini Brett and Gemini Moon. And the fact is, is duality again and again and polarity. It's the, that feature of, of bringing it forth. And also the third thing I have to say quickly is a lot of this stems right from your own uh, energies that you've helped me with a reading, which I don't get many of. So thank you too, Brad. Well, that was an honor. It's always an honor to be able to do sessions with fellows of the starry cloth. I have the great honor of being able to look at charts with a lot of astrologers because I have a rather unique approach and I'm always sure to receive readings myself i think we should always be healed in our own healing modality so yeah. if anyone's interested in doing a session with me and and hearing the way that i sing your starry song find me at morethanastrology.com um, yeah. i want to say one more thing to okay. the astrologers because i meant to get to this and we won't but okay. here cast these two charts the uranus discovery march 13th 1781 and the chiron discovery which is November 1st, 1977. And you are going to see some amazing sinistry. And oh, that's, to this yes. of Chiron took Prometheus's place and see what you see there. It's a fantastic wonder. Well, I'll throw out just an announcement for next week and then we can follow up on that thought because I know you'll have one that you can tell people. Next week is the last week for the Aries archetype and Laura Tad, Dr. Laura Tad will be returning and we're going to talk about oh, a potpourri of things. One is perhaps uh, the Aries parent and the Aries child and that whole experience of functioning on our beginnings with Aries and we'll elaborate more. And to remind people that there is a repeat showing now as of the second season and that is on Thursday morning. So if you missed part of this, you can tune in and if you have tuned in, this was broadcasted on April 6th, but April 11th is going to be repeated. And we have archives all the time. We have guest material all the time. So if you didn't write down Brett's bio, just check out Talk Cosmos. Go to guests on the menu. And there you'll see himself and more than astrology with a hyperlink. You can find, I think it's hyperlinked. Yeah, you can just zero right in and learn about all these great conferences and readings and et cetera. And you can learn Okay. Oh, and you can listen online at 1150 KKNW, which is, there's a listen button. You don't have to be right in Seattle with our little radio system. And there's an app, KKNW AM. And if any of that's confusing, just check online and you'll figure it out. So Brett, we have, oh my goodness, we have about 30 seconds. Let's see what I can do. I want to say one more thing. Add your name to my mailing list at this specific hidden link. It's morethanastrology.com slash free. And I'll send you a bunch of free stuff, including six hours of sacred astronomy for astrologers training. Um, yeah, so with these char two charts, you know, I'm using 12 p.m. because I don't have times for either of the Uranus discovery in 1781 or the Chiron discovery in 1977. But one is Ten that seconds. Chiron's sun is at Uranus moon Ooh. and they're both opposite. Chiron is in 
three degrees Taurus for both the Uranus and Chiron discoveries. Amazing link on earth and sensual access. The spin works. Blessings forever, Brett, Gemini. We'll talk. Bye-bye. Yep. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.